Hi friends, it's Sarah May, and this is an episode about survival mode. So it's for anybody um, that has been in that kind of anxious, panicky place, just feeling like um, just overwhelming sense of danger or threat or imminent doom. And that's based on past traumas or maybe recent ones. So this is for Heather, and I hope this helps even the tiniest bit, and thank you for writing to me. It's a really good topic. So you guys might be able to tell I have a little uh, bronchial action going on. I have like uh, the remnants of some sort of sickness, and um, so I sound very deep-voiced and mature. Um, So apologies if it sounds not soothing in any way. So survival mode is kind of the term that we are going to give a pervasive sense of fear and stress and anxiety over issues that are basically not really threats, though they are experienced um, in very vivid form in your mind, in the form of constant brain chattery hypotheticals. So basically obsessive thinking about painful, dangerous, worrisome things, things past, things to come, uh, things that probably won't ever possibly come, just analyzing, solving endlessly. In other words, it's just like the worst version of brain overdrive that you can imagine, and it's all the time. And it's so powerful that it takes over your life. It takes over your reality. So this survival mode is kind of like living in the worst version of reality. And uh, that's because it's, it's removing you from all that is good and keeping you stuck mentally in all that is to be feared. And it can come in varying degrees. So you might have anything from the intolerable writhing in panic um, type of survival mode, or you might have manageable but still potent survival mode. But regardless, it's always something that will keep you outside of your life experience and unable to truly enjoy and witness the life that is actually happening. Um, You are removed from the actual truth of your experience. Because when you live in survival mode, you you are perceiving your thoughts. You're only living in your thoughts and like... Uh, just the damage that has been done to your thoughts and, like, the way your brain works. So your your lens is distorted. And so living a life like this is very uncomfortable. It's not fun. It's not peaceful. There's no... You don't get to relax. It's like you want to run, and you just don't know where. So nothing is safe but checking out of your body. And that means that You probably put yourself in situations where you are completely um, occupied. You're busy to the point where you don't have to think. And that uh, usually will soothe people that have really bad anxiety because they're able to shut off their bodies. But it also um, just kind of destroys you because you're running yourself into the ground. You also can kill your anxiety by just focusing on others. So you might have found a job where you are completely 
invested in the feelings of others and focusing on others over yourself. Because when you can go into somebody else's problems, you can leave uh, paying any attention to your own. Like you can literally remove your worry and your pain um, and put it into somebody else. Like you can focus on somebody else's life 100% of the time. Um, so survival mode is a powerful issue and it causes many people a lot of pain. And I know the more long-term your causes, like if you had like a very, very um, long and difficult childhood, the more ingrained this will be into your muscle memory. So if you had repeated traumas that happened for like 30 years, that's very, very uh, well-formed muscle memory. So that said, this episode is written for everybody, no matter how long-term your issues were or how bad they are, you can absolutely change and help yourself and soothe yourself and move through this um, for yourself and grow past it. Um, but before I go on, I want to say again that the Headspace contest is still going on, and if you suffer from this particular type of issue, you would benefit immensely from this app. It's basically daily meditation exercises, which are perfect um, for soothing anxiety and brain chatter. Um, so without further ado, let's get on with the episode. There are three parts, the what, the why, and then the how, which is the tools. And there are four, four tools this time, and they're for just different purposes related to survival mode. The what. Um, so survival mode is kind of like a cousin of PTSD in that it results from trauma. And uh, likely, in, in the case of survival mode, it's likely long-term trauma. Or sometimes it can be traumas that happened uh, recently, but they happen kind of in a consistent style. So maybe like you had multiple traumas in like a very specific circumstance or you happen to have repeated traumas like in a, a sequence or a pattern, or you had um, something that was related to one particular window of time. So if it was like a location or I don't know, you get the idea. But whatever it is, the traumas created a sense of um, a new confirmed reality in your person. So in other words, they just changed the way you defined the world. It redefined your truth. These experiences like reset your truth. And just to be clear, what I mean by trauma is um, an experience that evoked terror or extreme stress or an overwhelming sense of panic that basically caused your adrenaline to spike past um, what it might do during like, you know, watching an action film. Like anything uh, you would experience in an everyday scenario, like everyday life. All of the adrenaline that you might have in that amount of time, this far exceeded that. Like it, it spiked if you have like a bar graph, this went like and broke the ceiling of your bar graph. Um, so they're usually situations that just don't match your previous reality or the average of your life experiences in their level of fear-inducing severity. So most relevant is these experiences will reset your understanding of normal because your brain can't make sense of them with the rest of your life. So it kind of raises the, uh, the full range of expected events to include terror or evil or run for your life. 
So when you go through them, your brain kind of wants to rearrange everything else around it just so you can feel comfortable with these truths because otherwise the information is intolerable. So it cannot predict or protect you if it cannot make sense of the logic behind something. So you can't anticipate it or align it with anything else and therefore your brain is uh, fighting it and struggling with, it just can't fit anywhere until it has context. So if this happens to you, like if a trauma happens to you, um, your brain will literally try and match it to other things. So you might actually um, find yourself throwing yourself into dangerous situations because that's the only way you feel um, comfortable with this uh, overwhelming shock that exists in your brain. So if you had something really terrible and shocking happen to you, you will find yourself putting yourself in dangerous situations that are terrifying and shocking. Because that's like where you feel like things make sense. It actually is a relief um, in a weird way. It's a relief to your brain, despite the fact that you're still experiencing like horror and terror and stress. So if, this, if traumas happened to you when you were young, it's uh, a lot more severe because your trauma is more powerful because a child is, um, has just an overwhelming sense of vulnerability. Like a child really needs to be taken care of. You already feel in danger and uh, just your sense of helplessness because you're, you're relying on somebody else to give you life and protect you. So when that sense of safety is threatened or it's taken away, it is overwhelming um, to say the least. Like it is uh, a different kind of level of terror and panic. An adult can take care of themselves and they kind of know how to solve situations. A child uh, can't do anything. A child has to survive. And so when you don't have any tools and your survival is threatened, it's like the most powerful kind of fear one can have. It's, it's much more overwhelming. Um, and that's because it's based in just the truth of your own vulnerability. So if somebody else is protecting you and uh, you are aware of yourself being in danger, like it's almost too much for a child to bear. It's too much to accept um, pain-wise. So a lot of kids, a lot of the issues that kids have come from trying to uh, protect themselves by rationalizing adults' behavior. Instead of feeling the pain of my life is threatened and I can't do anything about it, they will think of uh, rationalizations that make them still feel safe enough to tolerate the situation. So, for example, uh, if a parent is um, abusive or alcoholic, they will take on a sense of, um, it's because I'm a bad kid, and they'll start acting like a bad kid. That's a, a rationalization to feel more comfortable with the, the truth, which is not that. I went on a tangent. Apologies. <clears throat> so, back to the um, causes of survival mode. So, regardless of when your traumas happened, whether it was in childhood or if it was recent, your body will take on a role in your brain, will take on a role of preemptively trying to keep you safe. So your brain starts trying to protect you by foreseeing future situations. But the downside is that there are, is no real danger of the future situation. You just feel like 
it is. You just, your body's telling you that it is. But you will treat everything as if this danger lives all around you all the time. And it'll become kind of an all-consuming pattern for your brain, which is just planning for your particular kind of danger to come and desperately trying to buffer for the pain it will cause. So that loop of preempting and preparing is such an overwhelming emotional process. It's so exhausting and it's so uh, intense and upsetting. But the most important part about this is it's a blip in your wiring and you happen to be seeing it everywhere, but it's, it's, be cre- it's being created by you. It's not real. So the condition you are searching for, you feel it as very painful and scary and real, um, but you are manifesting it in just your person. It's not, it doesn't exist in the reality around you. So if you were to trade lives with somebody else, like you were to just tap each other out and walk into each other's life, you would, uh, they would not feel all of the danger and all of the issues that you do in your life. They wouldn't even see what you see. They wouldn't worry about what you worry about. All of your issues, if, you got, if they got everything you have, your bank account, your significant other, your job, your whatever else it is, they would not have the same fears and worries and pressures that you do. And that's because your lens and your particular kind of damage distorts your experience. So, for example, let's just picture as an experiment, picture a lady uh, with super skinny blonde woman with big fake boobs and bright red lipstick. And she's got really uh, done hair and she has a really short mini skirt and you can tell she's had plastic surgery. So I see if I see that person, somebody who feels they are not enough inside. I see insecurity. I see a lack of confidence and I see a lack of self-love. Somebody else might see somebody that is full of themselves, who is snobby and self-important and thinks they are hot shit. And that's because my lens of experience informs the information I focus on and that the same thing goes for you. So if you have lots of one kind of bad experience as an adult, you will see um, that danger all around you and somebody else won't see it at all. If you're not sure if you have a past trauma that is currently affecting you, I'm just gonna go through a list of symptoms you might be able to recognize. This is a list from the Mayo Clinic because there are four types of um, kind of repeat trauma effects. Intrusive memories, uh, avoidance, negative changes in thinking and mood, or changes in emotional reactions. So if you have recurrent uh, distressing memories of the traumatic events you've experienced, or if you relive them as though they're happening again, like you have flashbacks of them that like almost feel real, if you have upsetting dreams about them, if you have just physical reactions related to past events, um, or if you start avoiding situations because they remind you so much of these things, so avoiding places, avoiding certain people, avoiding uh, talking about certain things or activities, or if you have negative thought patterns that start. So like uh, sometimes it's more vague. So if you have things like the lack of interest in activities or you feel like kind of numb all the time or you don't really have uh, an ability to feel intimacy with others, 
or if you just notice that you can't really maintain close relationships. So if you also have, uh, I guess, what do you call it? Arousal symptoms is what, what they call it. But like, it, it, basically you can have also um, just sort of diagonal emotional reactions that don't really make, make sense to you. So angry outbursts, overwhelming guilt or shame, um, self, self-destructive behavior, uh, numbing behavior, like just putting yourself in danger. Um, or if you are always kind of on guard, like you're always feeling like you're about to be hurt by somebody or you're on guard for danger. So regardless of what the symptom is, if you have been through any of them or you are experiencing any of them right now, you might have um, a, you might be living in a sort of survival mode right now. And the hardest part about recognizing it is people that have been through trauma and are functioning adults, you are, are likely very, very uh, capable and high-functioning, and so much so that it doesn't seem like you have a problem. So you probably discount these issues in yourself, and you feel like your particular shit is not that bad. Like, other people have it way worse. I have, I have a job. I have a house. I can shower and take care of myself and tie my shoes. Like, I'm, I'm fine. I don't really have a big problem. But that's partly because you are super capable. It doesn't mean you don't have a problem. It means you are using about 75% of your energy to maintain this sense of normal. So that's just because you're good at making yourself do what you have to do. It doesn't mean this isn't a thing that you shouldn't address. So without further ado, I will go to part two, which is basically the effects that might manifest today in your life, or basically how to tell if you are living in a survival mode right now. So if you're in survival mode right now, you probably feel just an overwhelming sense of anxiety or just fear in general. And maybe you never have a sense of um, peace or calm or feeling safe or feeling like things are finally going your way. You maybe you don't trust people um, and you think just... In general, life is never looking up, and that's just a, it's your stance. So you maybe only feel okay when you are uh, working really hard or um, helping somebody else or just outside of yourself. So maybe you worry often and you focus on problems that you just can't seem to drop, like things that are wrong with you or things that are wrong with your situation. Um, what's wrong with your career, what's wrong with your finances, or just your lack of fill-in-the-blank. And regardless um, of how hard you try, maybe those problems just don't seem to go away. It just forever feels like it's just a pervasive condition of your life. Nothing will quench the void. Nothing is ever enough. Nothing makes the feeling stop. You have basically an overreactive stress response. And that is the real problem. It's, it's the other stuff, that the bad stuff that happened, but it's, it's more the, the kind of autopilot that's happening to you right now because it's running away with your brain and your body. So the reaction, the state of panic, is causing you to bypass the stage where you are able to reflect and create solutions. 
you're going straight into the response mode of the solution. Like you're basically jump, you're on fire and you're jumping from fire escape to fire escape. <laughs> like go to that solution, go to that solution, go to that solution. The worst part of that is the solution you jump to is not the right one. You're jumping to places before you look at all of your options. You can't even see all the options because you're running around on fire. You cannot access the present moment because you are trapped in your nonstop thoughts. Your brain chatter is preventing you from basically experiencing all of the right now moments because you're listening to a broken record record in your brain. It's, it's just your rational fear loop that's playing. So kind of to soothe this nonstop stress response, you probably um, take actions in, in favor of trying to solve the problems that you're freaked out about. And you're probably trying to make sense of all of these problems by solving them. But those problems are all imagined. And therefore, they have no real solution. So you are solving a fictional threat. And therefore, all of your threats just, they never go away. The process you are going through is just the, the result of this distorted lens of your past experience. So it's almost like you're forcing information through a sieve that is distorted in order to get an answer on the other side. You're like, I have to find the answer. I have to find the answer. But the answer is not based on what most people based base answers on, which is reflective thought. People ruminate and decide based on all of the information available to them what they want to do. And your filter is the one that's deciding what you do. Therefore, you're getting results that you don't want. You're getting uh, no solutions. You're finding no real empowerment based on this loop of behavior or this loop of thinking. So most important, what you should focus on, when you are in survival mode, clarity, focus, and purpose go out the window. That sucks. Also, your ability to see solutions and act on them is on lockdown. Like you are stuck in inaction because you're like panicking. Like when somebody, you know, when, when the fire alarm is sounding and all of those lights are <laughs> twirling around and wailing and all the doors just lock. It's like that's what you, what you are like when you are in survival mode. So when you get stuck in your mind, your problems are imagined and not based in reality. Therefore, they don't exist and you can't find a solution. So it's like being in a play full of crazy people and everyone's running around screaming for the lead role. So another unfortunate side effect of survival mode is your thinking is all about you. It's all about how can I help me? How can I solve this problem? What am I going to do to fix my life? Everything is you solving for you. And that's because you're in a self-preservation state. But in, if you didn't have this issue, you would see that everything is a lot easier. You would be open to others. You'd be open to the solution coming from a lot more places if you weren't so um, fearful of the outside world of danger. So enough about all that stuff. On to solutions. Maybe you are aware that all of this torture you go through and unhappiness 
is uh, not real. Maybe you know it's just a condition that's based on your life experience and your brain. And you're trying desperately to solve it. Like maybe you're in therapy, maybe you're doing all that you can to alleviate it. Or maybe you're just in it. But you, you know you want to be like everybody else. And you want to believe in trust. You want to believe in happiness being possible for you. You want to believe that you'll find the one person who gets you and who understands your problems better than you do. But maybe that doesn't seem like it's going to exist. Maybe it's just, for you, probably not true. Because life thus far has proven to you that it's going to be shitty no matter what. You have a very good reason to feel that way. Because you've been through experiences that have created that reality for you. But to know that there are others who have been through what you have been through and have figured out a way around this should be a beacon of hope to you. Yes, no matter what it is you have gone through and no matter who you are, there are others who have lived your exact pain and have applied tools and methods that will work for you just as they worked for them. So know that that exists and that is out there. Um, just focus on that for now. So it's all about finding which relief and which methods will alleviate this in your life. I'm going to hopefully at least open the window of possibility in your brain <laughs> that this exists for you, at the very least. And um, maybe not give you a tool that actually works for you. So without further ado, part three, the tools. And firstly... This is a, an episode I would say is more personal to me because I relate to you. And I can tell you that your solution does exist because your condition has been very, very deeply imprinted into your fibers. Um, you especially, out of everybody in the world, because of the type of thing you're experiencing, you have to go full throttle and you have to attack your problem aggressively. Your focus has to be almost militant as you move through this work and and your goal should be pure i want to move out of this state i want to fix this in my life i want to heal and i want to say regardless of your damage and who you are and how long it was and what you went through yes you will heal yes you will love again yes you will trust again yes you will be happy again yes you will feel peace and harmony and love and this will not be the rest of your life period but you have to choose that and you have to commit to that goal and you have to just work toward it relentlessly but once you say yes to that that you want that it's totally going to be yours and if you're thinking but my shit is way gnarlier or my pain's different and my thing's way worse. My answer is, sure. Maybe it is. But in reality, it's not that different. Pain is pain. Terror is terror. Trauma is trauma. Children are children. The brain is the brain. I feel wholeheartedly, no matter how gnarly or pervasive 
your damage, you will heal and you can heal with without having gone through this, you would not be who you are meant to become. And you might be saying like, fuck you, that's the worst thing you could ever say. Maybe. But I will offer you this. If you are not capable of healing, and if you are not already a very deep and, um, and emotionally capable person with many, many gifts to give, you would not be capable of listening to this. You wouldn't even be looking for this right now. You would never seek out information like this. I hope that makes sense to you, but you already are showing that you are the type of person that will heal from this and move through this because you are listening to this right now. Because if you were so fucked up that you were in an unreachable, unhealable place, this awareness that you want, you would, it would be intolerable to you. It would feel exhausting, it would feel trivial, and it would feel like a waste of time. So the fact that some of this is ringing tiny bells deep down in your person is a sign that it is, you are very far down a path that you are capable of marching. You probably wouldn't be able to see this, this dynamic in yourself in the first place. Nor would you care to listen to me talking about it if you are not um, capable of healing yourself. You'd be a totally different type of person and you'd be living in a different version of your reality. And you wouldn't feel it in the same way that you feel it now. My point is, you are healthier than you think you are. And you're closer than you think. And in this sense, the pain or the intensity of your pain is actually a good thing because it means the nerves are alive. <laughs> um, they're close to the surface. You are in your body and your emotional heart is alive and well. Ha! Right. <laughs> Thanks, Sarah. Well... It's a good thing whether or not it feels like it. Um, I know it's not fun at the moment, but you should definitely have hope for your life because your pattern can and will change. It's just a ratio thing. You probably can't believe that from where you are now, and I don't blame you because I wouldn't believe me either. But it's all about moving through the steps for yourself and making progress for yourself and then witnessing it for yourself. Because once you witness it, you proselytize to everybody, just like myself. Most important part of solutions, the solutions I have for you, is that the fears and the pain and the worry you have in your life, all of it, right now, is not real. They might be based on real issues. That's, I'm sure that's true. But your life pattern is telling you that these are problems that are uh, affecting you for the worse and that you should be afraid of them. But you haven't experienced your life without this damage yet. Like you have not seen the reality outside of your particular trauma, muscle memory damage. And once you do see it outside of that, what you are perceiving as like the most imminent, terrible, 
conditions of your life, you'll see that they are, are tiny and not real problems at all. So in other words, you're imagining the scale and the uh, power of your problems because of the, t- the damage you have. Most of what you are living out now in the form of your problems is created by you. It's, be- it's being created currently by your focus. And I don't want to say that in a blaming way at all, but it's your fear is creating the actual real manifestations of the problem that you're afraid of because you're you're focused on that and only that so your first step in healing is recognizing that and believing that and holding on to that truth all at all times remembering that your focus and your fear is the problem it's not in reality it doesn't exist in the severity It's not really a big danger like you think it is. It's being created by you. It's being created by this blip in your brain. So once you are aware of that, and you know it's like this thing you have to solve and and let go of in yourself and heal, then you can start to find solutions. Then you can start to apply solutions. And if you are saying in your head like, well, but I don't believe you, because in my case... I have real problems and they're um, things I've battled because of X, Y, Z. I want you to just try and believe me or try and stay open to believing me. Like listen for the truth in what I'm saying as I go through this process because all of the tools I'm going to offer you are about becoming more objective and that would help regardless of if you believe me and when I say that the problems you perceive are being created by you. Just, Just listen with an open mind. I'll leave it at that. The most important thing you can do for yourself is soothing the triggered state you can move into. Empower yourself, empower yourself, empower yourself. Don't allow yourself to validate the fears and the panic. Like, don't honor them with real weight in your mind. I know that sounds impossible and illogical, but from where you are, it's going to feel like that. But from outside of your chemical roller coaster, it's actually makes sense. It makes sense from my vantage point. Your fear and your anxiety is not rational. And it also doesn't exist in reality. Your trauma tells you otherwise. But what you can't see is that the exception to the rule is everything is good. People are good. The world is good. It just doesn't happen to be that way in your lifetime. So right now, objectively, you have to move past what you know and ground yourself in reality. So the tools I'm going to give you are based in becoming more objective, more logical, so that you can talk yourself down from the triggered states that your anxiety puts you into. Um, As an additional resource, if you have it in your neighborhood... I really highly recommend going to help groups. For whatever topic you're interested in, go to meetings. 12-step meetings, any kind of meetings. And I know you might not like what that means, or you don't, maybe you don't think it's appropriate for whatever you're suffering from, but the most profound effect 
is basically finding a group of people that need help, that want to find solace. And it's like, it doesn't even matter if you have anything in common with them other than the fact that they're in pain and they need strength and they don't expect anyone else to feel the same way. When you all find each other, you all get strength. (laughs) It's like a very dumbed down way to describe what it is, but it's extremely helpful because those people understand you better than most anyone else will. And they could also support you more than most anyone else will be able to. Anyway, back to the tools. So there are four. The first one, I've already talked about this a little bit, but it's to soothe the, the triggered states themselves. And it's basically breathing exercises. So there are a couple. Um, they all work. I know they work because they've worked for me. They're used by monks. They're used by the military. And you won't believe that they work until that you, you actually witness them working for you. And that's only going to happen when you use them consistently and like your life depends on it. So do them and don't stop. Um, two of my favorites, I've talked about them before, but the first one is I call it bead breathing because it's, you do it with a bracelet <laughs> or you do it with anything that has junk, uh, giant chunky beads. But basically, one bead per breath. You just basically hold on to a bead in your um, pointer finger and your thumb and take one full deep breath and pass that bead through your fingers and go around an entire chain. So it's similar to how you might use a rosary, I think, but if you were to have like any kind of odd-shaped bead bracelet or necklace, just anything that has like a start and an end that you can feel, use that and go through it, taking one full deep breath per bead. And I recommend 20 rounds. Second breathing method, I call it give give me five breathing, but other people call it other things. And it's basically five counts per stop. So five counts per inhale. So one, two, three, four, five, holding your breath, one, two, three, four, five, releasing your breath. One, two, three, four, five. And then holding it out, like with no breath in your body. One, two, three, four, five. And I'm counting fast, but like one, two, three, four, five. That would be each stop. Hope that made sense. So one, two, three, four, five. Breathing in. One, two, three, four, five. Holding it in. One, two, three, four, five. Breathing out. One, two, three, four, five. Holding it out. One, two, three, four, five. Breathing it in, etc. Again, recommend 20 breaths. In addition to breathing exercises, yoga. Yoga is your best friend. Yoga is going to become your best friend while you move through this process. Regardless, if you don't like yoga, you probably aren't doing it for the mental soothing properties of yoga. 
because once you do yoga with the breathing, it's like taking drugs or better than that because you don't want to kill yourself afterwards. <laughs> but you basically, <laughs> whatever you choose, you have to get into a form of emotional soothing like meditation because this is so important to your healing process. It's like vital that you have a tool to manage all the pain and anxiety that like might overwhelm you. So make it a point to start trying these things and make it a point to do them and do not discount the importance of them. Don't make excuses for not doing them and don't do other things in front of these things. These are really important part. It's it's more important than I would say work or laundry or showering. This is more important. Don't make excuses. You choose where to place your time and your energy. And no matter what your schedule is, you have to make time for this. You have to take the time to care for your brain and your body and your soul. It's a really important part of your life. So that's number one. Number two. This is called smallest, quickest actions. And that's just simply right now, because your brain is just going to go into like spin out mode all the time. Just focus on the smallest, most doable tasks. Like when your brain's going crazy, just focus on the tiniest thing and do it. Just one tiny thing that's in reach. Focus on any kind of win-win solution. And that means like, I don't know what to do. Maybe I could just uh, call somebody. It's like, call the person. Do the thing that's in your reach, always. And don't second guess it, just do it. As soon as you just make a habit of making actions, like before analyzing, everything moves in the right direction. Just do as many of these things as possible. Almost like close your eyes and just throw yourself at the action. And just stay out of the analysis. Stay in physical. Stay out of the mental. Stay in the physical. Tool number three. And this is a mantra. (laughs) It's going to sound like it doesn't make any sense until I explain it. But the mantra is, don't believe the roots. Picture like dark rotting roots. You have a very old garden and they're like giant carrots. And they're growing out of the earth and their roots are just rotten and scary. But the tops, the tops are all nice and green. So what is the meaning of this um, visual metaphor? Well, you're likely not going to fully trust the truth because of what you have lived. Meaning, you're probably not going to believe what I'm saying right now. You're not going to believe, like, that I, that your situation is not different. That your past experiences and your life currently is not just as shit as you say it is. But the short of it is, don't trust what you believe to be the roots of your problems. They are not bad like they they look like they are and you will rationalize them down to the very threads of the roots 
they show up in your life and they say like, worry about me, fear me. You play me over and over. This is something just like the other thing you went through. Plan extensively around me. This is a terrible thing that's probably going to happen to you. But they are dirty liars. Those roots that you think you're witnessing over and over. and you're... It's just your trauma. Like all the things you think you are seeing happening again and again. It's just your trauma. You're looking for the proof of them again. But when you start to see that, and you start to like try and connect all the dots, notice it and know that you are making it up in your head. It's not in now. It's old. Tool number four. <laughs> this is like one of those touchy-feely ones that if... I hadn't probably said the rest of what I've said. You'd be like, ugh, I roll. It's because I kind of had that feeling too. <laughs> but it's good when you take it with a grain of salt. Put it that way. So tool number four, prove the positive. My other term for it was spot the joy. And this tool is basically make it like a game every day. Make it a game just tomorrow at least for you to play. Like basically spot and mark in your mind mentally every single time something beautiful happens or something kind or good happens so you're going to just spot and call out and acknowledge mentally with like a sentence like oh that was a positive thing that's all things like butterflies how many butterflies do you see tomorrow or gestures of kindness, or gestures of selflessness, or things that are just beautiful aesthetically, or little things like a breeze that feels very nice on your skin. Whatever things you find beautiful, just make it a point to pause mentally and say, oh, that was beautiful. Whatever you're going to look for, they have to be positive, but mentally write them down throughout your day. And as many days in a row you can do this, do it. The reason I want you to do this is because if you can just break up the focus of your pain just by efforting to spot what is so profound in your life right now, happening in your life all the time and just celebrate it just honor it just by recognizing it just watch it over time i think you will be able to see it more because right now you can't see that at all and it's not because of any fault of your own it's because of where your energy is being stolen from you and your life is being stolen from you and that's by your brain. Your brain is in a loop. And the loop is preventing you from enjoying your life. Enjoying it like other people do. It's not that their life is that much different. It's that they're actually participating. And you're being disabled in the process your brain is just doing in a non-stop loop. So I know it's a silly one or it sounds silly. But just try it. Just try it tomorrow and then try it the next day. And hopefully try it the day after that. 
So to recap, we talked about focusing on empowering actions, focusing on soothing the symptoms, and never trusting the roots. Uh, The gist of what I'm saying is not honoring the negative thought spirals you get yourself trapped in because they are not real. Your eyes need to focus on empowering actions and not the obsession over what you don't have and what's wrong. I know that's hard, but it won't be forever. Having been worry-obsessed with the unknown myself, I very much believe you will heal and your muscle memory will reset and your life will just prove to you that the world is good and that you are good and that you can find people that you trust and that love you and that you can love back. But I won't spoil that for you. You'll see it on your own. I believe in you. And I will mentally be cheering you on from the sidelines. So go for it. I send you my love and vibes of positivity. Don't forget to smile. Thank you.